Hello, welcome to uh, Killer's Crossbase. Uh, I know it's been a while since we have recorded anything, but, you know, Olivia's still recovering. We are approaching week five. She's doing better, still having some pain and issues. And then we had one of her friend's weddings we had to attend to and just some other things going on, which hopefully my book on Philip will be done soon. Well, it's basically done, just waiting on stuff being sent to me to finish it up and then I'll be releasing that hopefully by the end of this month. But anyways, this episode is going to be kind of a little different. Um, I posted in the group the other day that basically we're going to be kind of... I'm going to read a letter from somebody that I wrote, uh, I think, like five years ago, if I'm not mistaken. But we're going to kind of dissect the letter a little bit. But we're also going to talk about who it's about and stuff like that and what he done. But the uh, person we're focused on, as you can tell from the title, is Dayton Rogers. Um, he was also known as, what was it, Molala? Molala. Forest Killer. But um, basically, rape, torture, seven, eight victims. Uh, the day of the murders were in 1987. Um, but anyways, you know, he was born in 1953. He has a criminal background dating back to the age of 16. When he was caught with a friend shooting at passing cars, trying to break windshields. But that's bad, but I've also heard other people you know do stuff like that as a teenager. Uh, yeah, I've heard Not like of that like sense, a, but... Affecting cars. Yeah, yeah throwing stuff. Um, like, what was the one, throwing bouncy balls or something on the interstate? I remember somebody saying, like, off of a hill. And then yeah. the car's, like, swerving. And then people, it's paintballed cars. And... Yeah. But uh, he ended up... <sighs> Pretty much around the age of 19, 18, 19, I've, I've read both ages, but he attacked and stabbed a 15-year-old girl on their second date. Rude. So, I, yeah, I guess he kind of got upset with her or something, if I remember correctly. Um, but anyways, he... Um, See, he had been married for less than a month at the time, and then he pled guilty to a lesser charge of second-degree assault, and he was placed on four years probation. And at 20, he attacked two teenage, two teenage girls with a beer bottle, and prosecutors petitioned the court to revoke probation, but the judge found him not guilty by reason of insanity, and he was committed to the Oregon State Hospital in March 1974, and he was formally released in December of the same year. And... Three months later, he met somebody else. Now divorced, he married her in October of 1975. And in December of the same year, he raped an 18-year-old girl and was indicted in January, and he was allowed to remain free pending a May trial. That's pretty interesting, which doesn't really surprise me, the way things are in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, being free, like you rape a woman and you're free until the trial. But he assaulted two teenage girls and raped one of them. He pleaded not guilty because of mental disease. And then he was acquainted of the December rape charge. And in June, his parole for the old knife attack was revoked. In August, he was acquainted from the latest rape charge, but was convicted of two counts. Of course, and sentenced to five years. Uh, so he served five and a half years. One year later, his parole supervisor was, was supervision was terminated. Then lots happened, and that's when he started murdering people in 1987. So, he was tied to seven women, 
and they were all found in somewhere in that forest area. Some were found with their feet severed, and one victim had basically, I guess, been cut from the vagina to the sternum. Ooh. So, and they, the coroner's reports indicate that the injuries were likely suffered while the victims were still alive. So. You mean just, like, cut, like, externally? Or do you mean, like, ripped wide open? Well, hold on, let me. I feel like if it's the wide open, that would be, you'd have to have some, like, rage and strength going on. Yeah, like, he's, like, it was even talking about one thing about using, what was a dog, binding them with dog collars or whatever. So, let me look onto that real quick. Sorry if you can hear our washer. It's, like, uneven or something. Uh, yeah, distant, well, disembowel was the word they used. So, basically, the good had been scanned neatly. It's E-V-I-S, evacerated. So, basically. Wow. So, let me see if I can find that article I found earlier. article mentioned about the... He had bind them with dog collars and coat hangers, and then where he dumped them in the forest is basically what I was talking about. So, anyways, going back, but he ended up was arrested in August seventh, nineteen eighty seven, and um, let me see, and he was sentenced to life. With the possibility of parole for the August 6th murder. And in June 1989, he was sentenced to death for the uh, killings. And from his criminal record, it appears that he received 13 death sentences for, for six different cases. And I understand that the seventh victim, you know, is still identified. And I'm not sure if he has, if she, they've been identified, because this one don't say. One of the reasons he was arrested, though, because they, I guess he wasn't a suspect. But here are the victims. She was, uh, see, Lisa, 23. See, one girl was 26. One was 35. One, another one was 26, 16, and 21. So they were all kind of different age, but kind of close to the age. Similar. Yeah. yeah. But only one did not have links to prostitution or drugs. And, you know, he was not a suspect until evidence search of the dump site revealed that the ground was littered with small individual containers of orange juice and miniature vodka bottles that Rogers was almost never without. So that just kind of makes you wonder, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, somebody, like, how would they know unless somebody would have, you know, put them in, which I'm guessing somebody might have said something. I want to say something that somebody, if I remember reading one of the articles correctly, I could be wrong, but it had said that somebody noticed, like, a vehicle like his in the area. So that could be what, what led them to that, and then kind of just keep an eye on them type thing. Yeah. So, you know, so basically seven victims, but the letter I received from him, he was on Oregon, um, state penitentiary. I'm not sure if he's still there or not. Does he have good handwriting? Yeah, it's actually not bad. Okay, yeah. But this is August 16th, 2015. He says, Dear Bruce, thank you for your letter. As you know, I'm on death row out of respect that if I write a letter, Okay, yeah, if I write a letter, did did hope to hear back. I try to reach to at least respond back to such incoming mail. 
although I'm very open to having a pen pal, I don't have the means for doing so. And being on the road, we don't work jobs and earn anything, whereas those in general population do work and earn something. I'm not asking for assistance from you, but I still have to let you know what the situation is. Plus, they don't allow stamps and envelopes to be sent in to me. Should you choose to still want an ongoing exchange, here's what I suggest. As soon as you receive this communication, write me a quick response with your answer. Here's why. I'll be leaving around September 11th for a new resentencing trial, and the Oregon uh, Supreme Court reversed my sentence of death and remanded me back for resentencing. I'll be gone for about two months and remain at the county jail during everything. If I get resentenced to death, I simply return to the row where I am now. If I get life sentences, I will be sent to a different Oregon prison, so once all this is said and done, and I get to where I'm going, I will write you and let you know where I'm at, as well as you can apply some funds for purchase of these pre-stamped forever envelopes, etc. Envelopes at Canteen are 58 cents a pop, not counting this writing paper and ink pens. If you think you can apply the funds before 9-11, then I'll give you the current info at the end of this letter at any rate i'll leave this decision to you whether you want to still be my pen pal so just that <laughs> portion of the letter how do you take that as i don't know he seems kind of up front i mean that was polite to be like you know not asking for assistance but if you want to talk then you kind of I'd, have, I'd to... have to you'd have to do that because i have no way to make money like that, that was good up front yeah i could i guess you could say that but uh, I will say this, I have no desire to correspond with those who have any hidden agendas or motives for writing me, such as putting my letters on a murder memorial site for personal gain, or those who are aspiring writer and author, which I'm kind of, I guess you could say a writer wow, in a way. Wow, I don't, I, I don't sell my stuff, though. So he's good there. Over the years, I've been burned by such people, which I call stranger danger mail. The gravity of my situation is too great. Unless I can have, unless we can have each other's best interest in mind and be open and honest, then I'd have to say thanks, but no thanks. Does this make sense with you? Does it make sense with you? Yeah, I mean that's very straightforward. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them, a lot of them are like that though, where they're like kind of like. You know, like I feel you. I'm no, like if you want to be going talk, talk, you know, like friends, cool, but I don't want, if you're just going to use me, I don't want that. Yeah. But he says you are young and have your whole life ahead of you where I don't. Mm, so, okay. way to shoot me out of comp, which I was, I had just turned 26 10 days prior to this letter. Yeah, 10, ten days prior to this letter. And then, by the way, I don't know of that card game, Magic the Gathering. Uh, run it down to me, okay? I do have an interest in the paranormal, and I do believe in aliens, but I'm still undecided about Bigfoot. I do watch the TV programs, and if I was out in the free world, I'd be willing to go on an outing for Bigfoot. Well, I know you want to know if you'll hear back or not, so I'll get this on its journey. From my fishbowl to yours, Deo. Deo? Deo. <laughs> and then he said, for money orders only, made it payable to the DOC for Dayton 
Richards, the information he decided number, to enclose. Then mail to, you know, the department. And only the mail order goes to that address. And then I had wrote him a poem called uh, Keeping My Demons a Secret, which is actually based on uh, The Devil in the White City with H.H. H. Holmes. If I remember correctly, I, that was what inspired that poem because they were talking about somebody burnt their poems to, uh, or something that they wrote. It was a poem, I can't remember, but to keep it like to themselves or something. It was something weird, but it made me <laughs> inspired me, me right there. Because I used to write, write poetry and I destroyed it all because I was embarrassed of it. Well, it's it. not that they were embarrassed <laughs> of it. They were basically saying, I'm keeping it to myself because it was still in their head of what they wrote. But anyway, well, he said, it was well thought out. Thanks for sharing it. And I should get back into doing more of such writing myself. So, overall. Interesting letter. Didn't really go into the detail, which, like I said, a lot of them don't. Some do. Well, he straight up told you, like, I'm not. But, hey, I'll write you. I just need help. Like, yeah, I'm bored. Let's be friends. But I don't want to talk about my business. Yeah. But um, at the end of this episode, we're going to share some audio from a court hearing, which I think was roughly about this time that he wrote me. I've not heard it. Like, I'm not sure if he's actually. Yeah, I'm sure he's still on death row. But there's actually. He's still alive? Yeah, yeah, he's in his six, what, fifty three, so sixty seven. Okay. So yeah, he's he's still alive. What a horrible time frame, I swear. So he's he's pretty gruesome like, though, killing because he you know he basically killed. See what that article say? Knife, stab well, stabbing to knife. Yeah, stabbing with knife. So, you know, he he had a pretty you know with you know raping women. And then stabbing the one when he was 19, and then just kind of continued going until he, you know, he was eventually arrested. Did you ever figure out what happened with his trial? Like, did he go back on death row? Or? I'm pretty sure he did. If I'm not I mean, I feel like any judge in the right mind would keep him on death row, but yeah, you never know. But the video, I've only watched part of it, of his uh, talk during the trial, kind of like the whole... I'm sorry, type thing. Which, yeah. like I said, you guys will hear the audio at the end of this. But there's another, uh, if you want to watch, there's two videos of another guy that I know and talk to here and there. He does um, a YouTube channel with uh, stories from the penitentiary, and he's actually wrote to him. One was like a month ago he posted, and one was like two weeks ago. I watched the first video. What's his name, Dayton what? Dayton Rogers. But he, he actually wrote them, and he reads the letters on there of what he did. I can't remember. I'd have to rewatch the first video. I do think it kind of... But those are interesting, though. Kind of rude that he's like, I don't want my stuff out there. And you're like, yeah, I know. Well, and a lot of people... We are. <laughs> well, it's out there, but it's not like we're selling it or anything like that. But still, I kind of feel like it's still exploiting what he did, like, what well, he's he not really, wanting. I'm not going to give out any, like, personal information if he, like, would have shared anything in death. Like, it was just a letter saying, hey, I'm interested, but I need help. So, you know, there's nothing to it. But I know this episode was kind of a little out there because we were just putting something together. And this was kind of my ideal to kind of just. I like these laid back episodes. Well, and to go into my collection. Like, this was a one of. I had, like, I wrote him back. And I never heard back from him. But I can't remember if I sent him money. If I did, I only sent like a couple dollars to help pay for like stamps. But I can't remember, honestly. But I know I never heard back from him. So if you guys like these type of episodes, like let us know and we can do more. Yeah, like, I mean, like mostly. A shit ton of stuff. Well, a lot of them's like multiple letters, though. But like the ones that were one of, 
I don't mind sharing and stuff here and there. Like I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to go into like personal, you know, information they share me about their family or anything like that. But you know, the one ofs that I have, I, I don't mind sharing and kind of getting out there and reading. Yeah. So, but um, we thank you for tuning in. Like I said, we'll play the the audios a couple minutes long of him talking. So I hope we hope you enjoy that, and we'll see you on the next episode.